2: The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Ladies and gentlemen, you found the Gravity Leadership Podcast right where you left it in your iTunes or Podbeam feed. Here we are. My name is Matt Tebbe. I'm one of the co-founders of Gravity. I'm joined by my good friends, Ben and Ben.
3: Hey. Hey. Ben, ben and Ben in the morning. Ben and or Ben something. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We got Get it. Getting you to
2: work and through day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear.
2: Uh, uh. Guys, we are doing this podcast. We've been doing it for a few months now. Many of you have led... Uh, led uh, left... <laughs> Many of you have left iTunes reviews and ratings wherever you get your podcast from. Those help us a lot. Yeah, they it's, do. It's not, it's not necessarily... We don't need them to feel better about ourselves, although I am sort of a fragile violent. <laughs> <laughs> so I do like reading good things. It's encouraging to read it's the It's encouraging. Reviews, sure. But no. honestly, your reviews and ratings, they help other people find our podcast the way that... The way that the technology works, people find podcasts based upon how many ratings and reviews they're getting. So if you would spend 30 seconds, just give us a review and a rating. Mm -hmm. If it's a one- or two-star review, maybe email us first and we can maybe work some things out. (laughs) Pray about that. No, even if it's a one-star review, we'd we'd love to get uh, critical feedback, too, helping us
1: improve this podcast. We love backhanded compliments. That's what we love yeah, the yeah, most. Yeah. That's
2: basically all I get. I'm married to an Enneagram one, and so that's kind of how it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just get backhanded compliments. No, uh, my wife's amazing. Uh, also, friends, if you have ideas or want to connect with us, communicate with us off the podcast, you can do that at uh, our email, podcast at com. We've actually... Been corresponding with a number of you, just some encouraging back and forth, but also giving us ideas on what we can talk about, how we can mm. continue to curate content for this community that we've uh, that we're creating yeah. here at Gravity. So <clears throat> do that. Also, we have some
3: Please.
1: events coming up, uh-huh. Hardman. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, Sternkey and I are going to be in Atlanta, August seventeenth and eighteenth. That's you, Sternkey, right? That you is know? me. Yep, I got
3: yeah, my flights. Yeah, doing an Enneagram workshop
1: uh, here in Atlanta. You guys will get to see my home church and my hometown here in Atlanta. If you want to come out to that, uh, we'll put all the links on how to sign up and be a part of that in the show notes. Also, September fourteenth and fifteenth in New York City. We're doing prayer school with Brian Zond and Dan Sadler will be there. Who's
3: going? Are you one of you guys going to that? Are, are we going
1: I, to that? Who's,
2: ben who's and going? I have to indigenous person leg wrestle for it. Yeah. We have yeah. to, we have okay. to maybe
3: like arm wrestle. Both of us would like to go uh, to New York yeah. City because it's New York That's City. That's not a bad spot. Yeah. A but weekend it's in, in the city with yeah. Brian. Yeah. One of us Party. will go. We'll, we'll see. And, and to see Dan, it'd be fun. We, we don't know yet, but one of us will be there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But if so,
1: someone from the Gravity team will be yes, there along yeah. with Dan and along with Brian. And uh, you
3: can also register yeah. for that in the uh, show notes. Dan is one of our coaches, by the way. He's if a phenomenal coach. He's a great coach. And he's a pastor uh, out there in New York City. In New York City. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. I just wanted people to know who Dan was. That's probably wise. Yeah. I want people to know who Dan is. Guys, You've this got, is great podcasting <laughs> is material right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you're still here. You guys are- Hopefully, Dan, if seconds. you're listening, yeah. if you, we want you people to know who you are.
2: Already left the review and rating Yep. Yeah. Uh, before All right. this.
3: So those are two events uh, that we got coming up. Um, we're also always uh, starting up uh, new coaching cohorts. Um, and so if you're interested in kind of how some of these uh, things work themselves out in your everyday uh, life and ministry. Um, that's kind of where uh, where coaching comes in, um, and I uh, would encourage you to check that out. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and speaking of things and how they work out in your everyday life and ministry, uh, we wanted a podcast today about uh, some of that stuff. We, um, we, we really want our podcast not to be just about ideas. Um, we're not... Um, Academics—we're not uh, sitting up in an ivory tower. Nothing wrong with academics, but but we're not uh, academics. We're not sitting in ivory towers reading uh, good ideas about discipleship and mission and leadership, and then trying to you know collect them and collate them and then pass them on to you. Another way to say that is we're not we're
2: not interested in primarily describing the way things should be. Right. But we're more interested in. Uh, describing the way things are Mm -hmm. and how to discern God's presence and faithfulness there.
3: Right, right, right. right. Because one of our axioms is God is always present and at work, and that actually ends up challenging tons of the ways that we normally deal with uh, difficulties, problems, challenges in our everyday lives and ministries. And so uh, every once in a while, we want to take a podcast and say, what are the everyday difficulties, problems, challenges, breakthroughs, Uh, what's the stuff that's happening in our local ministries, we're all local pastors, uh, pastoring small to medium-sized churches. And so what's going on? And um, how do we think about, reframe uh, those issues, uh, those challenges, those problems, uh, and those breakthroughs and the things that are going well? Like, how, how do we think about those things? How do we navigate those things in practical ways, assuming that God is present and at work and that um, He meets us where we really are, etc.? Etc. So we wanted to chat a little bit about that today. Let's do it. So let's do it. Who's got a ministry situation let's that's going in. on? Yeah, th- we'll do a little check-in here.
1: Why don't so. you start, yeah. Hartman?
3: Yeah. Yeah. What, what's happening?
1: Yeah, so uh, we've been in Atlanta for about a year now, a uh, small, or size church
3: plant here that's been around for a couple but, years before I joined in. Let's get concrete. How many people attend the church on a Sunday morning? Like what, what, what would yeah, you, say, we're what do you say smaller? right
1: around 175 to 200 right now. Okay. Uh, but in the last year, that number has doubled. Uh, and okay. so for me, one of, the, one of the real challenges I'm facing and wrestling with is the balancing kind of my relational presence with the growing church hmm. and realizing that the church has now outgrown my relational capacity uh, that it is not possible for me to have coffee with every person, uh, to meet with every person. So we've kind of grown beyond uh, where my relational capacity is, where I'm capable of, of, of being with everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, so previously, when we first got here, I was just anybody that was new that came to the church. I'd just invite them to dinner over at our house. Uh, We'd make sure we have coffee with everybody. All of those systems and structures are growing beyond uh, what I'm able to handle. And then even just pastoral care needs, um, people wanting to pray with somebody, wanting to process things. Mm. Um, There are certain weeks where that has kind of grown beyond what I'm able to manage and lead into. Yeah, Uh, I do have a a staff team, uh, but they are a very young staff team. Uh, that we are developing and equipping uh, and empowering and training uh, in how to manage a lot of these things in ministry. Um, So there is a little bit of a challenge of do I push them into the deep end on some of these things and just see if they float? Uh, Do I do all of this myself, right, and kind of wear myself out? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or do I just let needs fall and just pray that the Lord takes care of them in some capacity. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and s- none of those three solutions seem like a great solution. And so we're, right. we're really wrestling with uh, – <laughs> how do we equip and empower leaders to do the work that I do when they're not ready, right? And so when you've got a group of leaders that you want to release and there is a need in the community, but you recognize that those leaders may not be fully ready to release them into those spaces. Yep. uh, And then uh, just battling the idea of, uh, I feel like I'm needed in a lot of different places and spaces and feel like I've got to balance every week who I'm going to disappoint.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let me yeah. good, Ben. So let me let me maybe take a shot at what usually happens in most scenarios when you come to this spot. What usually happens in most scenarios when you come to this spot is the the lead pastor, Ben Hardman. Uh Ben Hardman, M Div. He
3: he Nope, nope. Oh no 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 M Div. Okay. No M Div. All right. Well bless your heart. You're husband. the only one on this He's podcast who's truly mastered <laughs> divinity, Matt. <laughs> You can't yeah. expect the rest no, of us which to keep. Up. I, you keep bringing up. We, we keep bringing this up every week, uh, which I appreciate. Yeah.
2: It's not that important to me, if you, <laughs> if you, as you can tell. No, so you, so the, so Ben Hardman as the pastor of 180. I can't, I can't continue to be the relational center point of this whole church. What typically happens is the pastor just begins to work more hours to extend themselves even more. And creates programs. So I have nothing against programs, but here's what happens usually. Uh, I have nothing against programs sort of hypothetically or in general. But what happens is you know that you can't entrust leaders to actually lead missional communities or outposts or house churches or discipling other people, that that has to go through you. But you could give somebody a curriculum and -hmm. hit play on a DVD player and tell people to fill in blanks and and make phone calls and send emails right so there is you can manage this program i can trust you with that and then i'll just create five of those things so that people can connect into these manageable programs so that offload some of the relational weight i'm feeling in my 70 hour work week and i can remain like a human and you know at least a b minus husband you know what i mean like that's that's where most pastors go and then we build yeah. structures in our churches that we don't necessarily want or didn't set out to have, but it's just so we can manage and deal with the fact that we don't trust the people we've hired to actually lead. That we mm-hmm. we, we, we trust them to manage things barely, but mm-hmm. not to actually lead. So that's where we typically go. Would you guys say that's true?
3: Yeah, that feels like a default uh a default assumption or instinct that a lot of American at least pastors have. I don't know about other yeah. places, but yeah.
1: And oftentimes we just don't have any imagination outside of programs, and so that's where our imagination runs. Is if we don't know yeah. what to do, I've got to start something. I've got to do something new, or I've got to preach on it on Sunday. Those are that's kind of our imagination for right. fixing things.
3: Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. Or the other two options you mentioned, Ben, are I could just let the let plates drop. You know what I mean? Like just. Okay. I leave the church to the back door. right floor. right uh, my, my church is forever going to be 150 people because that's as many people as I can sort of relationally connect with and be the pastor for um, which is a sociological uh, principle actually. Uh, that's why I find it interesting that you're sort of hitting this this issue at 175 200 people uh, because sociologically that's that's what people have said is like you can you can know about 150 people like every that, that's like a human capacity to kind of know about 150 people. We call it the rule of 150. There's actually companies that have like built their whole company and the way they build factories based on this principle. Super fascinating. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so you can let the plates drop or you can start some programs or push people out before they're ready and deal with the failures or work 75 hours a week.
2: So which one's it gonna be, Ben?
3: Yep. <laughs> what are you <laughs> planning on doing, Ben? <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, yeah, so yeah. I,
1: I, mean, I think, I think that's part of the the, the wrestling in this is is having a, a, an imagination beyond those three options of what this looks like. Um, hmm. Also recognizing that what I'm doing is I'm discipling on the way, uh, and so as yeah, I cool. am. Managing the kind of relational pressures and relational stress and sending out other leaders to do that, um, I, I think debriefing is becoming really significant for me. Uh, yeah, tell us how they, you do that. What does that mean? Yeah, so so there's a lot of moments right now where I am, uh, I'm recognizing that with my staff that pace is empathy. So I, I don't want to just throw them in the deep end and let them drown. Uh, but I do want to push them into some spaces probably where they're not terribly comfortable um, and truthfully into some spaces where I could probably do a better job than they could at this point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and so give them some space to learn and to grow, allow them to get some reps into some discipleship scenarios that they may not be as comfortable in. Um, but I think the power of that is I, I have to be more relationally present with them if I'm going to be less relationally present with others, if that makes any sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think we're doing something similar at our church. Can I share a little bit about kind of how we're addressing the same... I feel like we're addressing similar questions, Ben.
1: Yeah, I think that's okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, because I think... So we're a church of about 60 people, Mm -hmm. and we have some of the... We have maybe some different pressure points than you do, Ben. So we have people coming from... Uh, people drive 30 minutes to our church from every direction in uh, the Indianapolis area and so there is a sense in which people are really drawn to our strong vision our strong culture how we're how we are quote doing church they tell us you know I've been looking for a church like this so they come to our church but then they they scatter out to the nether, hinter regions, right? Yeah. The Netherlands. The Netherlands, yeah. <laughs> and And they seem disconnected in and, and all this. And so pastorally, it's hard to connect with, pour into, and disciple even 60 people who are spread out like that. Yeah. So one of the ways that we're doing what you described, Ben, which is investing in people, giving them room to grow and fail and learn, but not sort of sending them off by themselves— you know, strapped to the front of a large ship to, you know, run into run aground. Uh, is we're doing this summer thing called the College of Preachers. So, we're taking a group of four lay people: a uh, barista at Starbucks, a marketing director for a financial investment firm, uh, somebody who works for healthcare industry, and somebody who's a real estate agent. And we're giving them opportunities to preach on Sunday. So, mm-hmm. raising up preachers. And I meet I meet with them um, every week on a video call. To debrief the past Sunday's message and to craft the next Sunday's message, and I just think, I mean, on a, one of our goals is that we want to raise up gospelers in our community. That mm-hmm. that preaching isn't just from the professionals in the pulpit, but also for the, the parishioners and the pews. All those p words, just <laughs> just, just happens. Yeah, it's, it's full, part of the, it's full part full of that full. MDiv, Hardman. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, uh, and and so for me though, it's you know we've had some great sermons this summer, and we've had some not as I mean. I think Sternke and I, I can objectively say, Sternke and I could have preached better sermons all summer.
0: Right.
2: But it's not about... So one of the one of the things we had to get over was, do we want excellent sermons every week? Yes. Or do we want a developing training culture where, where people, where everyone, doesn't ex- come to church to expect excellent sermons, they come to church knowing this is a place where people are grown and developed and empowered and released into ministry. So that means sometimes... The sermon will be a B plus instead of an A minus.
3: Right, and or I, even a B minus, or even
2: yeah, <laughs> God forbid. Uh, no, so yeah. I mean, so I, I guess Hardman, that's one of the ways I'm noticing that yeah. we're doing what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's it takes it's hard. Like I, I, right after this podcast, I'm going to go have lunch with a guy who's preaching this weekend, and I'm pr- I I don't know if he's got a sermon yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're a couple days before Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So like, it does take some investment, but my investment in in this guy. Uh, is worth it because it not only is creating a culture in our church, it's investing in empowering him and it's gonna f- it frees me up from the twelve hours
3: right slash to, to thirty hours I would have prepared my yeah. sermon this morning. but but you're you're you know, you're not just like going to movies with that time. you're going out for lunch with the guy who is preaching, right? So yeah. you're sort of doubling down. I hear you saying this as well, Hardman, like you're doubling down on investing in the people that need to grow into their capacity to invest in others.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's an interesting, uh, you know, line that we walk between excellence and development. Because for most of us who are trained in ministry, we kind of know how to do excellence, but what we don't know how to do is development. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for us, we actually end up bottlenecking our our churches and our organizations with our own leadership because we want to do things so well. So there's a lot of churches that have excellence as a core value. Right. So that becomes a core value. Excellence which is I-
2: next to godliness, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> right. right.
1: It's an axiom. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, which, which I'm not opposed to excellence in any way. I, I, yeah. I think we should always try and do things well. I think the question is, what's the line that we're willing to walk? How much excellence are we willing to give up in order to get development? Yeah. So so for me, I, I, I'd i be willing to do a C-plus sermon occasionally. I don't know if I want to do F sermons, uh, right? No, that and doesn't so help anybody. That takes, right? that yeah. takes discernment yep. and wisdom on the leader's part in when do we release and when do we withhold.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there's There's a sense of I want to train people by allowing them to watch what I'm doing, yeah. uh, allowing inviting them into spaces. So, Matt, what you're describing with the preaching is you're inviting people into what you guys do and then releasing them uh, accordingly, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't just one week we met with them and said, hey, you go ahead and preach next week. Right. You're, you're walking beside them, you're discerning with them, you're yep. asking good questions, yeah. uh, you're helping them along the way, and then you're releasing some of that uh, position and power and authority mm-hmm. that you have yeah. uh, and, and equipping others with it, which, which feels Jesus-y, right? Uh, yeah. Is that what we want to do is, is we want to take the power that we have and use it to empower others and to mm-hmm. equip others. But there is a balance there. So we're not saying go grab the worst singer in your church and give them a guitar and put them up front on Sunday morning and say, Hey, you lead worship. Right. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're saying there is a, there's a way to develop and equip yeah. that ultimately gets you further mm-hmm. because you're multiplying yourself and others. Yeah. Okay,
2: so here's what I'm hearing. Two things, at least, and you guys can add to this. One is, one is pick discrete domains that have firm, like well-known boundaries, inside of which you can give people room to grow and develop and fail. Yeah. So rather than just releasing people off into this huge area, hey, go run the youth ministry, Yeah. right? No, I'm going to give you this group of people that you can begin to invest in, and, and it's going to be you understand where your authority begins and ends, and you have freedom and autonomy here, yeah. right? So that's the first thing, discrete areas or domains of. The second, the second is creating vehicles of training and development,
0: mm-hmm.
2: creating contexts that aren't just teaching people like we're used to like giving people information or a task list, list, and then giving them like a nice pep talk or consequences and bribes to go do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> That's not a training environment, right? That's right. Uh, so creating vehicles where we can actually train. So you, you mentioned debriefing, Ben. I think this is huge, right? Um, but I, and I'll I just say like most of us. You know, I mean, I joke about my MDiv. You guys know this is, it's all, I think it's the most pretentious degree ever, which is why I joke about it. <laughs> right. uh, but in my MDiv, it wasn't a training environment. I mean, I had a preaching lab mm-hmm. where we did some training, but most of it was, Here's, here is all the stuff you need to know, right? right? Now now you've got your degree, go do it. Right. And I felt like I, I'm way smarter than I am holy, mm-hmm. and I have no experience of actually being with... Yeah. Any number of different people in their suffering yeah. or brokenness yeah. or pain. Right. So it wasn't really a training environment. So we don't so discrete domains of authority and creating training environments where people can try things out, fail, debrief, succeed, have breakthrough, et cetera.
1: Yeah. yeah we've we've learned to train in templates. Right. So that that we associate a template of here's the five things you need to do to do this. Okay, now I've trained you. Right. When, yeah, right. When, when training is not just me sitting down and giving a template of how to do something mm-hmm. or saying, here's five ways to get this done, it's actually a, a walking beside
3: and yeah. a laying down of yeah. what
1: we have for the sake of others. Yeah.
3: That's why for me, such a helpful uh, image for this is personal trainer. Like If you hire a personal trainer, you I want to go get in shape, or I want to lose 50 pounds, or I want to you know, whatever the, whatever your goal is, you hire a personal trainer and it's a really helpful metaphor for me because you show up in your shorts and your gym shoes ready to like do some pushups or try out the machines and the trainer is going to be there with you to watch what's happening with you as you do this, right? And so wherever you're at, it's fine, but the trainer is there to say, "Eh, actually tuck your elbows in when you do those Mm pushups or, you know, okay, it looks like we can only do 10, let's try 15 next time. You know th- those sorts of Maybe things. Maybe don't eat
1: those Cheetos.
3: Right? Yeah, you can You had Cheeto dust all over your lips uh, when you came in. So <laughs> that's why I don't go to the trainer. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I want to keep my Cheetos. Um, but anyway, so you don't, you don't. The trainer doesn't. Uh, you don't g- walk in in your suit and tie or your work clothes, and then the trainer gives you ten tips on doing push-ups. Make sure your elbows are tucked in. No, he watches you do the push-up and says, "Oh, your elbows are oh, too yeah. far out." Yeah, whatever. It's a helpful metaphor. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, that's huge. And there, there's a tension there, right, uh, Hardman and Matt? Like, there's a, there's a tension as we invest because the needs don't go away. Like, your church doesn't pause for you to like, okay, why don't you just take a year and invest in some people, and then, and then the, we can start the church back up again. Like, everything's always happening, and so you're, you're talking about doing discipleship and development along the way. Um, there's still, your church is still growing. There's still people who need to be connected with, you know, uh, who's going to have coffee with them. And so there is a wrestling with this, right? Absolutely. And,
1: yeah. and there's a wrestling of what, do I, what do I do with my time every week yeah. that is the most productive use of my time. And yeah. so is it more productive for me to do this versus this and, and, and balancing that investment and return. And mm. and the truth is for all of us in ministry, the reason that we, are leading in ministry and are paid in ministry is because there is a bit of a gap between our competency and doing ministry and others, yeah. and so what the world says is we want to grow that gap and expand that gap, make that gap larger
3: for jobs, so that
1: so that I'm needed more, <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah. that so that people, you know, everybody looks forward to when I preach, everybody right. looks forward to when yeah. I'm leading the meeting, those types of things. But what the kingdom says is we actually want to shrink that gap. Yeah. As small as we possibly can. So yeah. a friend of mine says, good leaders get results when they're in the room. Great re- leaders get results when they're nowhere around. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what you're doing is you're you're training others to do the things that you do, yeah. and empowering them yeah. uh, to do the work that that you can't that you can't do because you can't do everything.
3: Right.
2: So just to summarize, on the way out, discrete areas of authority, debriefing times where we can actually, uh, you know, go over what happened. And then I would say too, a transition from a delivery culture to a development culture. Absolutely, I think a big part of it, Hardman, is is cre- not just telling people this, but demonstrating this. That like my role here as a pastor isn't to meet all your Jesus needs for you, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm sorry if like I've I've you know we all we often have to apologize. I'm sorry if you've gotten the idea that the church exists to basically be your jesus walmart right like you like we're the body of christ so there's like there's actually a profound theological training for the church to be the church yep which means i'm not doing the work i'm not doing all the work of the church for you and then you tithe on sundays which keeps me in business <laughs> keeps us in business so we can continue to do the work for you but i think things like giving giving leaders a chance to lead in ways that uh, otherwise you would do it Right. Or, or doing a College of Preachers, it, it gives the overall—it changes the culture of this is a development culture, not a delivery culture. Mm-hmm. So your expectations of what a pastor will do and won't do need to shift in accordance with that. Yeah.
3: And sometimes we'll explicitly say that. I'm just thinking about the way that we're doing this over the summer, and uh, before every one of these uh, people that are part of this College of Preachers, before they preach, we pray for them, like as a participant— in the college of preachers, we yeah. say this person is doing this, and there may even be a few words of vision. Why are we doing this? Here's why we do this, and so let's pray for you know Becky or Spencer or whoever. Like you know, and, and let's and let's hear the you know the word of the Lord today. Let's hear let's hear good news. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. good. It's great, Ben. Uh, th- we don't have time to ask this question, so I'll just flag it as an issue. Whenever these kinds of things come up, like Hardman, immediately when you said that, um. You know your church is growing. I can't connect with everyone. There's personal things we have to deal with there too, right? Because oh, there's yeah. a there's a like oh wow I I can't be the guy. I can't be everybody's like you know BFF uh, BFF right. I can't be I can't personally connect with everybody who comes to this church. And so uh, for us to really end end up developing people well, there's a constant need for us to attend to our personal like what is this costing me personally. Like, why is it important to me to be everybody's, you know, best friend in the church? or, or what, I'm not saying that's your issue, Hardman, but I'm saying like— It could be an issue. It right? could be an issue, right? Yeah. Like that, that, oh, I've got this transition coming where I can't be, you know, the, the one that everybody looks to. And so what yeah. does that cost me personally, and how do I uh, attend to that? How do I uh, hear from God in that? How do I let Him minister to me? Um, what does that reveal about, you know, the state of my spiritual life and where I need to grow?
1: Yeah. And what happens when other people start winning? Uh, yeah. what does that, yeah. what, what does that, does that, that do to me? me? Yeah. 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 What is yeah. it? So, what happens inside? There's There's all kinds of identity issues that are getting fleshed out yes. as we're developing and training others that we've got to be attentive yes. both to our own stuff. Cause we've all got plenty of issues, especially Matt. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then discerning like what's going on in the other people that are
3: around us. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah totally. So it's
2: not just know-how we've talked about know-how it's want to Yeah. also yeah. desire. Yeah. And sometimes it's, uh, Sometimes it's both.
3: Yep. Sometimes it's both and we have to wrestle with it, deal with it. So,
2: But we'll have to wrestle with that next time. Next time. Uh, I'm going to go take care of my issues.
3: You're gonna yep. uh, Today it's on the yep. list. I'm going to just knock them out. Fix oh, them. Yeah. Good. Uh-huh. yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you know and Matt will no longer be the one with the most issues after today.
2: It's part of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll check back in next week. Hey, Great. thanks for joining us, Hardman. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think. Drop us a line. If you have experience with the Hardman, even if you've experienced Breakthrough or figured out ways to get through this in ways that are similar or dissimilar to how we've talked about, drop us a line at podcast at Mm gravityleadership.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question, suggest a topic for future episodes, and join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful throughout the week. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join.